0: Well, I'm not a huge wealth of knowledge when it comes to cryptocurrencies. I think a lot of, like a lot of people I follow the ups and downs I know a little bit about how they work uh, but not too too much So I thought I'd go out and find someone who could actually walk us through this a bit, especially with the volatility of late uh Bitcoin dropped back below thirty thousand dollars today with global equity markets still under pressure of course and you know as the old uh Jimmy Cliff song goes, the harder they come, the harder they fall um. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies surged during the pandemic. We all remember those stories. Um, Many amateur investors, I can't tell you how many people have told me about uh, Bitcoin over the last two years, Uh, but it's hit an all-time low uh, or it's hit. An all It hit an all-time high of $68,000 in November. Today, it's trading at about half that, as I mentioned. Uh, Ethereum, another big one, is down 24% or was last week, 50% since the beginning of the year. Even worse for an area of cryptocurrencies called stablecoins. Uh, one called TerraUSD has tumbled hard. And all of this has also re-energized those who are calling on regulators to jump in and do something, try to regulate what is an ungoverned space right now. Well, with more on this is Alfred Lahar. He's a finance professor at the Haskane School of Business at the University of Calgary, and he studies the impact of blockchain technologies on capital markets. We thought we'd have him on to explain what's going on. Alfred Lahar, thank you so much for your time tonight.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here
0: this is one of those issues that I think we hear a lot about. Um, I'm not sure how much everyone knows exactly what we're talking about when we talk about cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin's the one that most of us will have heard of. Uh, what is it and what's happened to it of late?
1: So Bitcoin is just uh, a le- an entry on a ledger that you own a certain fraction of Bitcoin. There's no fundamental value on Bitcoin or anything. And the difference is that this ledger is not maintained by a centralized entity like a bank or a government. It's uh, Nobody really controls it. It's just there on the internet. And that's what's unique about Bitcoin.
0: And you can invest in it, obviously, as an individual investor. Yeah. You can buy a little piece
1: yeah, of it. Yeah, you right? can buy it. Uh, a lot of institutional investors can can buy it. And, and it's been tremendously successful. It was the first um, cryptocurrency that that worked, that investors had confidence in, that people bought in. Recently, we saw a, um, a strong decline, and there's always a lot of volatility in these markets because these assets are new and people are not too sure what to do with them.
0: Yeah, tell me a bit about, if you could, about the incredible popularity of Bitcoin, the surge in value of Bitcoin, and then what's happened to it of late, and, and why has it fallen in value so much recently?
1: So I think Bitcoin is popular because it's new. It's an exciting new technology. And if you live uh, in a country where you don't really trust the government very much or the government currency, then this is a really great alternative to put your money. Mm-hmm. Um, the underlying technology is really spectacular. And I think we will see that at least the technology of the currencies remains and will will um, really reshape the way we do finance, whether any particular cryptocurrency will survive for the next five years Mm -hmm. is a different question that's up there. We don't really know that. Um, But Bitcoin has been tremendously popular. And a lot of people thought it was kind of the new gold and an inflation hedge. But recently we've seen that this is actually not really the case when uh, a lot of other financial markets went down, Bitcoin went down as well and quite recently with the failure of the uh, terra stablecoin uh we've seen a spectacular decline also in bitcoin and in all cryptos for that for that matter and that was an incident that really reshaped people's beliefs about how this will work
0: how how high did bitcoin get and how much has it fallen and and, and my understanding was that it, is it surprising that that the value is is tied to what's happening in broader markets around inflation and so forth
1: so it is not, it is surprising. A lot of people thought, well, this is, has draw similarities to gold because there's no real economic value in Bitcoin similar to gold. We cannot really do very much with gold except for some industrial uses. Mm-hmm. And there's limited supply, and this is what Bitcoin, What makes Bitcoin very similar. But then recently, we've seen that in, in times of financial crisis, investors try to invest in something safe, and that is not Bitcoin. And in part, that's probably because more institutional money flows into these cryptocurrency markets. And as more institutional investors and hedge funds are in this space, it just becomes more similar to other financial assets.
0: You mentioned stablecoins earlier. Um, I know we've been reading about them more of late because of what's happened to one in specific. But what are they, and, and how do they relate to Bitcoin or to other cryptocurrencies?
1: So a stablecoin is a cryptocurrency that aims to be valued at uh, the price of at a fiat currency, mm-hmm. and most of them are valued to the U.S. dollar pegged to the U.S. dollar. So uh, ideally, one unit of a stable coin should be equal to one U.S. dollar. And there is different ways to do that, uh, to achieve this kind of thing. Uh, one way that has been proved to be more successful and more stable is that a company says, well, I put so and so many dollars in a vault or in an account with a trusted U.S. bank, and then if I put $10 million in my bank account, I issue 10 million tokens, mm-hmm. and then each of these tokens corresponds to one. Dollar that I have in my mm-hmm. bank account, and that was pretty safe. There's other ways to do that, um, and those ways have proven out to be not so safe, uh, like Terra has illustrated recently.
0: Yeah what what is what happened there? What is it, and why has it been all of a sudden such a big story in the cryptocurrency space, and more broadly in the financial
1: space? So Terra is what's called an algorithmic stablecoin, and they try to uh, they usually issued two tokens and in this case one was called UST which was the stable coin and Luna was the uh, corresponding other token and the idea was that Luna would be volatile and uh UST would be stable and safe linked to a dollar and whatever the price of uh UST would fall then people could just uh, uh redeem that for Luna tokens and on the other hand, if the price of the UST was very high, then people could exchange LUNA tokens for new UST uh, stable coins. And so one would absorb kind of the volatility of the market and the other token would provide stability. Well, as it turns out, this didn't really work uh, as intended.
0: Uh, uh, Alfred, when you when you describe this, um, it, it all sounds very mysterious to some extent. I mean, I- is this still a very risky space to be investing in, in many ways?
1: I think in many ways, it is a very risky way, a space to invest in, uh, because we are trying new technologies, uh, and people are trying new things. And like with anything new, some things work out and some things don't. And this was clearly an example of something that does not work out. And in a way, what we saw was a crypto bank run. And so in a we have seen bank runs in the real banking system, and this is just a crypto bank run. And so the same kind of economic rational applies here as with a traditional bank run. If people don't believe in it, they sell it. And then the price of Luna falls, which serves as the collateral, and then everything goes downhill. And now both tokens are pro- pretty much worthless.
0: There seems to be so much excitement or at least hype around cryptocurrencies. Has has reality caught up to them yet? I mean, it, it, where wherein lies the gap now between um, how stable a cryptocurrency is and sort of the all this talk of sort of Ponzi scheme, et cetera, all those words that get thrown around when people aren't quite sure of what it is that's happening. They just know it's falling in value. People have
1: probably been drawn into the space for different reasons. Some people just think, oh, God, I can double my money from today until tomorrow, and that's why I want to invest in this. Uh, They see this just as a trading opportunity, like um, baseball cards or something else, and people just like to to try that out. Other people are excited by the technology. Some people are excited by the fact that there is no government control in this uh, space, and... As people are attracted by different motives, probably they have different expectations how this will work out. And I don't think that there is any way you can really make a lot of money very quickly. Uh, otherwise, other people would do that, too.
0: I'm speaking with Alfred Lahari. He's a finance professor at the Haskane School of Business at the University of Calgary who studies the impact of blockchain blockchain technologies on capital markets. After this, we'll talk a bit about regulation because uh, with such volatility, of course, comes demands or at least uh, suggestions that maybe uh, government will in fact step in to regulate some of these areas more. And we'll get to that after this. I'm speaking with Alfred Lahari, he's a finance professor at the Haskane School of Business at the University of Calgary, who studies the impact of blockchain technologies on capital markets. We've been talking about the fall, uh, the quite dramatic fall in the value of many cryptocurrencies of late, specifically Bitcoin, but others as well, and just what that says about the broader excitement uh, around uh, cryptocurrencies. One thing you brought up earlier, uh, Professor Lahari, that, that's interesting is this idea that it was meant to be a hedge against inflation. Um why is that? And, and you mentioned it earlier, but why hasn't it proven to be so so far?
1: We don't really know. It's um, why this didn't turn out. I think because uh, more institutional investors have invested in this space. There's a lot of leverage in this space. People buy cryptocurrencies on margin. And when the volatility goes up, there's um, on one hand deleveraging. And on the other side, we see that um, these institutional investors want to invest in something that's safer. And so that is not crypto. And therefore, we see that uh, it doesn't really work out that well as inflation hedge.
0: I read something over the weekend. Uh, it's the famous shoeshine boy um, analogy about once the shoeshine boy gives you stock tips, you know you're heading towards a crash. Uh, do you think that that rings true when it comes to crypto? Are we hearing so many people talk about it that in fact um, the hype outran the reality of what's out there? What, what is a good investment?
1: I think uh, there's a lot of hype out there and it's true. I've got crypto advice for many people uh that I would never thought are that much into investing. And it is true. Uh I think there is a lot of hype, a lot of there's probably a bubble in some cryptos. Um but I still think that the underlying technology is really very good, will reshape the way we do finance, will save the economy a lot of money, will contribute to a lot of growth. Uh, but whether any particular coin that's hyped up at this moment and that just grew to 100% in value uh, will continue to do so. I highly doubt that.
0: Where do you see the benefits from this? Because clearly you study blockchain technology, you believe in it. Where do you think we, we go from here? It's still very new, uh, honestly.
1: The great real innovation of this is that we can combine computer code and payments. So we can deploy a comp- little computer program on a blockchain and we can trust this computer program. Nobody can change it anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you think about a website that does some handle some money for us, mm-hmm. somebody could put a plug on the website, mm-hmm. or if I don't know if that blockchain at uh, that website gets hacked and mm-hmm. still does the same thing it did yesterday or not. On the blockchain, if we have a computer program deployed there that handles payments, we know exactly what that computer program is doing, and nobody can change it. It's immutable. And so we can trust that. And that allows for a lot of um, opportunities to be there. So, for example, if you buy a house at the moment, we give money to a lawyer. Mm-hmm. That lawyer holds the money in custody. Mm-hmm. And um, then once the title is transferred, the lawyer gives the money to another lawyer who pays it to the seller. Mm-hmm. It's a complicated process. It takes time. It costs fees. Uh, we could automate that on a smart contract. On a blockchain, I give my money to a uh, computer program. The computer program checks if the land title was transferred. If yes, then it releases the money to the seller. If no, then I get my money back. That's a simple enough pro- problem that a computer program can handle that. And so we don't need a lawyer to hold anything in escrow. Uh, there's a lot of other opportunities where this new technology could save money for the broader economy. A lot of things can be done more efficiently. If you are a bank at the moment, you're concerned if you have a mortgage, whether the uh house owner has a fire insurance, mm-hmm. I could provide cryptographic proof on the blockchain that I have fire insurance. I get a little fire insurance token, I deposit that with my mortgage, uh, the bank can be sure that I have fire insurance. Um, a lot of ways to do things smarter, more efficient instead of paper. We can do this on the blockchain, and this will really save uh, a lot of money.
0: So, not just as some sort of get-rich-quick scheme, but really a much more efficient way of proving of proof of payment, essentially, or at least proof of funds.
1: Yes, a much more efficient way to make payments, proof of funds, but also to make conditional payments. Right, so I could make, for example, if I'm a shipping company, and I can see that. Uh, an item has uh, been offloaded in the port of Vancouver that could automatically trigger my payment. And the seller would know that they get paid once the item has been delivered. And I know that the item has been delivered before I pay. So it reduces a lot of contractual frictions between parties, and this could make it much more easier to do business. I
0: know part of the appeal, of course, is the lack of regulation. But as this progresses and considering what we've just seen over the last little while with the volatility, do you have any anticipation or do you anticipate that there will be more regulation around around this space than there is right now?
1: It's hard to tell. I think it would definitely be a bad advice for governments to just cram down on this and outlaw it because the technology is out there. These blockchains exist. You cannot really outlaw them. And I think it would just hamper innovation. And this is a great technology that can bring great economic benefits. On the other hand, a lot of people want some kind of regulation. A lot of businesses, large investors want some kind of assurance that whoever they're trading with on the other side is not a drug lord or a terrorist. So um, people are looking for regulation. And I think... Uh, that we will see hopefully a segmented space where part of that crypto world will become regulated for those people who prefer to be in that regulated space. Uh, but there will always be some segment that is unregulated. And that's also good because then new products can be created, there new ideas can be brought to market. And that is just good for innovation in general.
0: Alfred Lahar, thank you so much for shedding some light on a subject that I think we talk about a lot, but I'm not sure we always fully understand. Uh, Thanks so much for your insight.
1: Thank you very much.